You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. For instance, I won $18 Saturday night. Thank you, Connor Howiebuck, for that, by the way. And if I can win, so can you. This week is jammed-packed with action, ranging from hockey to basketball to golf. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all the action. And making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweats like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. So now that you know how to play and you know that even idiots like me can win, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry and an extra bonus with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry and extra bonus with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab, McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Saberin, Berenson, Thompson, Eggers, Hester, Barrow, Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Richard, Bono, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marseille, McCreary, Lefley, Eccles, Tonehawk, Palace, Harry, Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues. The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. And Blues fan reacts. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am joined, as always, by my right-hand man. Actually, he is actually technically off to my left. He is the man called Wags. Wags, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. Just got done playing hockey myself and uh, really, really excited for what we got coming up on the show today. Yeah, big big happenings on this uh, show. It's unlike any other Sunday episode we have done. It's a very special episode. Uh, let me go and welcome in all, as well Mason, a.k.a. Blues Fan Reacts. Uh, ready for our big interview today? Oh, I'm more excited than really any other interview that uh, I've been in, mostly because I haven't really been in an interview before. <laughs> there so, you go. There you uh, go. Yeah, this is a big moment for me. Big moment. You always remember your first. You always remember your first. Uh, shout out to uh, King Angus. Uh, uh, I believe he's a Canadians fan, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so we got we got, we got the Montreal Canadiens represented here. We have uh, Leafs occasionally. I meant Leafs uh, forever uh, joining yeah. us here as mm-hmm. well. And uh, we have a uh, Canadiens fan. We have a Leafs fan here uh, to join us uh, in watching the conversation with a uh, uh, young uh, up-and-coming prospect from Nova Scotia. So we have Eastern Canada covered uh, this episode here. Uh, hello to Marianne <laughs> Holmes watching as well. Um, we have Blues goaltending prospect, Colton Ellis, he is uh, waiting patiently to join the show. We will uh, go ahead and bring him on here, and uh, Mason will be uh, uh, back as well in just a little bit. Hello, uh, Vegas Blues fan. Thanks for watching. And again, got any questions, drop them in here. But uh, without further ado, uh, uh, we'll bring you back on in just a little bit, Mason. But right now, um, you we are doing a line change. You're going to go back to the bench. We're going to bring Colton Ellis on here right now. It is our Blue Notes face-off of the week it's the blue notes face off of the week and that beautiful nhl 94 music means it is time for our blue notes face off of the week and by the way that is music from a game wags that is six years older than our guest here today uh he is a blues goaltending prospect colton ellis colton how you doing tonight bud i'm good thanks for having me on absolutely we're we're, we're glad to have you here so uh now that the ink's dry how excited are you to have your first nhl contract signed sealed and delivered yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty hard to put into words. Um, you know, it was it was all excitement last week, and um, yeah, obviously something that uh, that uh, every hockey player dreams of. So to kind of get that done and uh, put pen to paper was uh, pretty exhilarating for me. And it's one of those things that you're you're young. You have a couple of different options in front of you. Uh, with the Canadian junior leagues and things of that nature, but what was it about the blues organization and really the structure itself that kind of helped you decide to sign the deal? And was there any doubt about signing that deal now? Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, um, I was thrilled to get the news that uh, I was going to get a contract offer for them. And, you know, it was a, it was a pretty simple process to, to get everything done. And, you know, and I'm just happy, uh, happy to be a part of the blues organization. So let's get to know you a little bit. So first of all, you you hail from a small town in Cape Breton Island in uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, it's R- River Denise, right? Uh, River Denny's. River Denny's, okay, like 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 the restaurant. Um, yeah. So um, tell tell us what's what's River uh, River Denny's like, and what did you do for fun growing up? Uh, it's a pretty uh, small community. I think I, I don't even know what you'd say the population is. Most people. Um, when they're referring to River Denny's, they just say Waikagma. Uh, yeah. But a, a village of 800 people. So, um, and River Denny's is even uh, smaller than that. So, um, you know, growing up, uh, hockey was obviously something that uh, I was interested in from a young age. And all of my friends played it as well. So, um, just just getting together with my friends. And, and even now, just kind of doing anything with my friends and, and uh, my families too is kind of how we keep ourselves busy. I read before, you know, we interviewed, uh, brought you on here that your nearest rink 
was about a half hour or so away, and then it closed down, and then he had to go about an hour away uh, to play hockey. It's kind of a similar story to Bernie Federko, who's a you know blues legend, and his numbers up in the rafters. Uh, he grew up in very rural Saskatchewan, and his hockey ring burned down when he was young, and he had to wait. Actually, his his parents were very concerned about him playing you know far away from home, so he actually had to wait until he was much older to play. Um, but how difficult was it for you to not just get work in? but to, uh, I guess, keep your interest in hockey going? Uh, my parents definitely made it uh, easy for me. I mean, they're, they're so um, so keen on getting me to any place that I need to be, um, reaching out to different people, just making sure I could get on the ice. And, you know, I was having fun doing it growing up. So, obviously, they love seeing me having fun. And, um, you know, they took the time out of their day to, to get me wherever uh, I needed to go and whatever doing whatever they thought was best for me. Now, goalies, uh, my brother's a goalie, and they're, they're interesting people, to be sure. Uh, you got to have a little bit of character to really put those pads on. Actually, I put the pads on last week uh, for one of our games for the first time, and I can tell you it's, I understand the difficulty level. But really, the question is, why goaltending? Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people are, are with you on that. They don't really appreciate it until they, they try to hook themselves. So, um, no, I think it just – I always uh, always played player growing up. I, my first year playing goalie full-time wasn't actually until my first year uh, Pee Wee hockey. So I think I would have been 13 at that point. But um, up to that point, you know, everybody just takes their turns going in and out of the net. And it was something that I just stuck with because I liked it. Now, did you uh, play forward or defense before you switched to goalie? I was forward. You were forward? Um, so, so I guess who was your uh... – idol growing up i mean i know you're a, obviously you're a goalie now so you know we're you know, you might have a goaltender but did you have like a forward that you look, look looked up to um obviously i think Sidney crosby was a big one um being from the same province as him um especially from a young age he was someone that i always liked to cheer on and always liked to watch but uh uh mark andre Fleury as well since uh, they played together so sure uh, yeah, Fleury was definitely my favorite uh, goalie going up. Uh, a friend of mine, Tim, wanted, and that kind of leads me to this question. My friend of mine wanted me to ask you, uh, what was your favorite team growing up, and, uh, and and what team did you hate the most, and why and why was it the Blackhawks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. To, to pick a favorite team, I, I think I went through different phases. I just kind of enjoyed playing hockey and watching hockey. I didn't really zone in on one team, I think. Um, it might have been Vancouver for a bit, and then the Penguins there when in '09, and uh, when they had those uh, won the cup there, and um, I was a big fan of obviously Sid and and Flurry as I just said. But um, and as for hating a team, I don't think I really hated anybody. Just enjoyed watching hockey as it was. Well, you'll probably the, the Hawks will probably get under your skin, you know, when you're up here in the pros, and you know they're 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 bumping you at at the net, so. We'll come back to you on that one once you're uh, once you're once you're in the bros. Uh, we asked uh, Jake Neighbors, uh, of course, Blues 2020 first rounder, this question. We'll ask this for you as well. At what point, you know, in, in your youth career, did you feel I could make the pros? You know, you started out as a forward, you became a goaltender. At what point did you feel like, okay, this could actually happen for me? I think for me, it was just taking it one day at a time and, and just trying to get better every day was was kind of my main motivation and um like every other kid their dreams to play in the nhl and and play professional hockey but for me it was just day in and day out having fun and um just focusing on getting better and that was definitely a dream of mine and 
to say there was a moment uh, that I actually realized it was possible. I, I don't think I could pinpoint that, but um, yeah, like I said, it was just kind of having fun day in and day out and then just going wherever the road takes me. So small town kid, you live on an island, a very small island with about 130,000 people, drafted by Cape Breton in the QMJHL draft in 2016. How happy were you that you were getting a shot at major Canadian junior hockey? Uh, it was it was a pretty surreal process as well. Um, all my family uh, took some time to go to the draft a little earlier. It was actually in Charlottetown, um, where I'm playing right now, but... Um, yeah, I mean, to like, there's a couple guys older than me that that were playing in the queue and um, that I, I'd be watching when I was in Bantam and, and even Midget. And I just remember thinking it was so cool and so incredible that they're doing that. And then to uh, be drafted by my hometown team, I guess you could say, in Cape Breton was uh, was pretty special and um, it was a pretty uh, crazy feeling as well. Now you didn't get a whole lot of time with Cape Breton. Uh, you played, I think, th- just three games for them, and then you were traded to Ramuski. Uh, you mentioned in the Journal Pioneer that you were grateful that they traded for you to give you a chance in the queue. But how much was uh, how much of that was an adjustment for you? You know, going away from home for your really first extended period of time. Uh, yeah, it was a huge adjustment. But uh, you know, I had a, I had a lot of support. Uh, along the way from family, friends, everybody back home. Um, going into a spot in Ramoski, I don't even think I knew. I don't think I even heard Teller Ramoski, uh, to tell you the <laughs> before I got traded there. So um, then I kind of started doing some research, and then I realized that, like, Sid played there. and um, it, it was pretty nerve-wracking for me going into a community that was all French. I didn't – I took French and probably should have paid a little more attention in French class going up. <laughs> no i mean i had a lot of people like i said along the way that that really helped me out and really made that adjustment uh smooth and you say you got to play on a team that Sidney crosby got to play for well he also was a canadian uh, player as well you got to play for the team canada under uh, 18 for two games during your first year at ramuski what what did it feel like to represent your country on that kind of stage it was unbelievable um I was, uh, it happened so quick. I, it wasn't even something that I thought uh, I was um, going to be invited to. Um, it kind of just happened quick. And I, I like sharing the, that stage with, with all the unbelievable teams. Team Canada, you know, a lot of guys on, from that team are playing in the NHL right now. So um, it was pretty crazy. And I, I was kind of in, in awe the whole time I was there. Um, just how professional everybody was, how um, you know, how well we were looked after and to go to another country um, overseas, it was it was pretty amazing. Now, for those that are unfamiliar with uh, with the Q, it's considered a pretty fast tempo, fairly high scoring league. But in three full seasons with Ramuski, your goals against in those three years were 237, 247, 241 save percentages of 913, 910, 904. Respectable numbers for sure. Um, how do you feel that you developed in those first three seasons in Ramuski? I think it was. Uh, I got to experience a lot of different, uh, a lot of different experiences. Um, you know, they took a chance on me, uh, acquiring me in that, uh, in that trade they did. So um, you know, they had all the faith in the world in me, and um, the head coach and, and GM there put a lot of trust in me and, and gave me all the opportunity in the world. So. Um, you know, I thank him a lot for all that opportunity that he gave me. And I think every year, just, just working with the goalie coach, McRew there, 
um, you know, he, he helped me quite a bit and helped me develop over the years too. And um, my experience in Ramouski was uh, nothing short of amazing. And then COVID reared its ugly head. <laughs> and in June, uh, you were traded in a blockbuster deal to Charlottetown on Prince Edward Island. Uh, was that deal kind of a surprise to you? And how did it feel going back closer to home? Uh, yes and no. I wasn't really expecting to, to be traded. I thought if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen during the draft. And then the draft went by and I was just actually uh, getting ready to go to bed too. And then I got a call from the coach and GM and Ramoski and um, he told me about the news and I was, it was a bit of a shock for me. I wasn't expecting it, but as soon as I saw uh, his, his name come up on my phone, I knew that I was traded. So then it was a big question of where am I going? So um, to, to come to Charlottetown, I mean, it, I, I couldn't be happier here. Everything about uh, the organization here is, is, is uh, top notch. So um, to get the opportunity to play, like you said, uh, closer to home and uh, to be able to see my family and, and, and that a lot more is, uh, is awesome. Yeah, it's got to be a good feeling for sure. And, you know, you've turned a lot of heads in the hockey world this season, you know, including here in St. Louis. And you, you, you've had you tied a QMJHL record with 12 consecutive wins. And then you tied the Q record for career shutouts with 17. So I guess what's the big secret to your to your success this year? I think just like over the years, uh, I think I would take um just something different out of each year that i've learned you know my first year was um a little more how to take care of my body and and that's something that i this year i've been a lot more keen on and uh paid a lot more attention to just making sure i'm eating right and uh i started working with a nutritionist and i think all the little details that uh, that uh, really matter in, in the game nowadays is something that i really um really tried to emphasize on this year as well as you know, just having fun and, and enjoying the process. Now, we've seen some incredible stories here with goaltenders in St. Louis, and the, the latest was Jordan Bennington, obviously. Uh, but do you follow those guys' careers and try to emulate some of the things that they did, or do you really feel it's best to kind of just go your own route and build your career by yourself without really looking at those guys' uh, actions? I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, it's it's hard not to, to follow a story like uh, Bennington's last year. Um, you know, it was pretty crazy what he accomplished. And um, to get the chance to, to be on the ice with him at uh, camp was pretty pretty surreal for me. And, and just kind of looking at little things he's doing on the ice and, and paying attention to that. But at the same time, um, you know, every goalie's different and every player's different. So um, I try to just stick to what I do best, uh, but try to pick up some, some new things and try and implement them to my game as well what what was it like working with Bennington in the time that you had with him like did he reach out to you with advice or pointers or anything like that um we we actually just got on the ice I think it was once but uh you know it was short and sweet and it was cool to be able to watch him uh go through the drills and everything now for those that haven't seen you how would you describe your style of play like you know you have your classic butterfly types you know your dominant cossacks that flop all over the place and then you have your you know more more standard classic stand-up types what 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 would you how would you describe your style in in the net yeah i think i play an athletic style uh, style of play you know uh, reading the play is something that uh i like to rely on and um take let my athleticism take over and um you know Going back on just reading the play, that's something that uh, I think uh, gives me a good um, idea what's what's going to happen, and then I'm able to uh, just play 
Now, did now you, you mentioned that your hero? Obviously, you know you, you mentioned Mark Andre Fleury. You mentioned mentioned Sidney Crosby. Um, is there a goalie that I mean? I mean, do you, do you try to like let's just take, take Mark Andre Fleury for instance? You obviously watched him a lot growing up. Um, do you try to emulate his style at all, or is it is it all is this like this this is what works works best for me? I think it's this is what works best for me. Um, there's different things that in different goalies that. Uh, I see, and I'll, I'll kind of try and add them to my game. If, and if they work, they work. But if not, it's it's on to the next. So um, I think uh, this year, especially in the last year, I've done a better job of understanding what makes me who I am as a goalie. And, you know, I, I think that just sticking to that and, and you know, being open to uh, new suggestions from my goalie coaches or anybody like that is important too. And, and just try to add and, um, you know, trial and error, they try trial and error, basically. So, well, you're you're coming up in the Blues system alongside another uh, very interesting youngster in Joel Hofer, um, just a couple months older than you. So you're right at about the same age, and he had a scintillating run as Canada under 20s goaltender a couple of years back. And I recently read Curtis Joseph's uh, autobiography, and he talked about how. He felt that it was best to become like more partners and battery mates with your goaltender instead of like competitors. Um, so do you, you know, do you view it as a, com- a competition with Hofer or do you look forward to working and growing alongside him? No, I absolutely look forward to uh, working alongside him. You know, I got to get to know him a little bit there at, uh, at the couple of camps we've been to together. So um, hopefully uh, COVID will kind of allow us to, to kind of get together again and, um, build off each other so now what are your goals for the next couple of years obviously you've got the contract signed it's a three-year entry deal but what, what are you expecting to shoot for here for the next few years uh, i think it's hard to say right now it just kind of everything happened so quick and kind of it's been a whirlwind in the past uh, week or so um so for now i'm just kind of focusing on the year here in Charlottetown. you know we got a we got a good team here so we're looking to make a deep run and I'm just looking to build my game and and help uh, the team here when in any way I can. And then, you know, summer uh, when summer training rolls around, that's when uh, I'll start uh, thinking a little bit more about next year. Now, now I know you came to St. Louis at least once for an MRI for an injury you had in recent years. What do you think of St. Louis? Do you you think you like it here? Yeah, absolutely. I I didn't get to explore the town too much and and, uh, get to kind of see the city much, but um, the two stints I was there it was um short and sweet I got to we got to go to a baseball game there and uh at the train camp and then we actually taught we got to see Thomas Rhett there who I'm a big fan of and uh, uh I think it was during main camp there in 2019 so um other than that I, I didn't get uh get really to ex- exploring too much but I'm looking forward to it well, we've got someone who's been very eager to uh, chat with you here, kind of wait in the sidelines. We're going to uh, bring him in. Uh, it's uh, Mason, uh, Blues Fan Reacts. Uh, what, what do you got for Colton? Uh, you are muted uh, presently. Hello? Can you hear me now? There we go. There you are. There he is. <laughs> I've been having technical difficulties all day. I apologize. No, but I'm in a uh, Twitter group chat. Like, it's typical Blue Notes fashion, right? Um, yeah, professional. 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 <laughs> We're professional, didn't you know that? Top notch. Top notch. Uh, But no, uh, I'm in a Blues group chat on Twitter right now. And one of them asked me, and I thought this was hilarious, do you get nervous? Um, (laughs) I think that's a pretty fair question. I think 
Um, for me, when I'm playing my best, I'm just just having fun in there and, and letting the game come to me. So um, I think once I get settled in the game and once the game starts, like I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty uh, calm, cool, and collected. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so in the QMJHL, obviously, you played with Alexis Lafreniere, who just went first overall. We're curious, what's he like? Uh, he's a great dude. Uh, he's pretty easy going. Um, obviously, he's an un- unbelievable talent, and it was pretty crazy to get to play with him all three years. I was in Mimowski. Um One of the things that I thought was, was unbelievable was how better he would get every year. Um, he came in at 16. I think he scored. 42 goals right off the hop so and then I was just like I remember after my 17 year so my first year I was like I don't how's this kid gonna get any better and then came back the next year and he, he was even better and it was the same the year after that so um you know I was I was it was pretty special to be um to get to play with him and you know he, he's he's a great guy all around a lot of, a lot of people fantasy team <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say a lot of people say Lafreniere's ceiling is right about where Sidney Crosby's is. Do you do, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's got all the skill in the world. He's uh, he's got unbelievable potential, and you know he's um, he, he's only young right now, and I just I only see him getting better. When it comes to locker room pranks, because if I there's one thing I know about junior hockey is that it's full <laughs> of locker room pranks. Has anyone pulled a good one on you? Um, I don't think so. I like to. I've been trying to get some guys this year. Like <laughs> the other day, we or actually last night, we had a, a basketball game at the at the rink, mm-hmm. just, just the boys and. We actually, me and one of the other guys, we convinced him that we're all wearing suits to the basketball game. So, it just <laughs> so uh, that's just, evil. Yeah. So he, he showed up in a in a full suit, and everybody got a pretty good kick out of that. So, <laughs> is there, where is there a picture? Can we get a picture? Uh, I'll. I don't have one, but I'm sure someone's got one out there. I think the boys are pretty fired up about it. It was pretty comical. That's awesome. <laughs> uh we uh tom and wags interviewed pretty recently uh jake neighbors who we just selected in the first round uh and and wags asked him are you a gamer and i'd like to ask you the same thing are you a gamer because you uh, are joining you are joining not just the stanley cup team but you're also you know joining the top Fortnite team in the entire league you know between right. vince dunn and, and robert thomas um, I think yes and no. I, I don't really play too much. I'm not very good is, I guess, what I should leave with. So, uh, I here and there, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the PS4 and I'll play a little bit with uh, my buddies back home and some guys on the team, but um, I'm, not, I'm not too big into it. Neither was well, James, James, so that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> yeah. That is interesting. So. Well, they're too preoccupied having a life and being successful in hockey, and here we are. <laughs> we're just sitting on our asses playing PS4. So <laughs> that I mean that doesn't surprise me in the least bit. <laughs> um so when you were take yourself back to 2019 when you were waiting to be drafted in the NHL, did you expect yourself to go higher or lower than you actually were selected? Um, I think it was right around there that I was kind of expecting to go. Um, I, uh, my agent uh, kind of figured third or fourth round um, mm-hmm. would be kind of where uh, that was the consensus anyway What from what he gathered. So um, it, it was a pretty incredible experience. And um, we went up, uh, my family and 
my girlfriend. Uh, we, we went a couple days early to kind of uh, take it in. I had some relatives. I have some relatives in uh, in Vancouver, so we got to see what see them, who we haven't really got to see uh, in the past little bit. But uh, no, it was pretty incredible, and you know, to, with the connection with Albion, um, born and raised, uh, where I played uh, minor hockey growing up, and it was uh, it was pretty surreal and pretty crazy. Was there a team that you were hoping to be picked by? And was was there maybe a couple teams that you had felt that, okay, this is probably, this might be where I end up just based on pre-draft interest? Yeah, I, I definitely thought that uh, St. Louis was one of the teams that I, I thought I could end up going. And, you know, for, for me, there wasn't really a, a point where I was saying, oh, I hope I don't go here. Or, I don't, I hope I go here. It was just kind of enjoying the process and taking uh, as much in as I could. If you couldn't be drafted by the Blues, who would you really want to be drafted by? I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's pretty hard to be for me. It'd be pretty hard to be disappointed um, being drafted anywhere. I mean, being drafted in the NHL is something that um, I, I always dreamed of, but I, I never really thought that it'd be a reality. So um, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't think I got an answer for you there. <laughs> all right, at least all right, at least forever you hear that the world does not revolve around Toronto, okay? Um, by the way, at least forever is one of our uh, followers here, and uh, he actually does have a question for you, Colton. Uh, he's he's he wonders if you're thinking of signing with the Leafs when you become a free agent. <laughs> I mean. He, I'll He's speechless. On my first contract for now. <laughs> <laughs> He's just focusing on getting the next contract because he's. I did you know he's going to be the, the the number one goaltender for the Blues in three see, years? Obviously, and that's, so and he that's, can't be thinking about going free agent already. He just got here. See, here's Man, the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. The, the Blues have had so many. I mean, so they put pressure on their goaltenders for so many years. I mean, yeah, we've had Cujo is the number one. We've had so many guys that are the next guy. Do you feel any pressure or is there any nervousness in you about being labeled as the next guy in St. Louis when they've struggled to have consistent goaltending for so long? Uh, the word's definitely not nervous. I think it's just excitement. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that uh, that lies ahead. So, um, again, I'm just trying to focus on what's important this year. And then, like I said, just once we get in the summer, um, start thinking about next year a little bit. But then again, just focusing on what I control and um, just trying to get better every day. Good mentality. Uh, Mason, you got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. He's answered everything in flying covers. You know, he's one of the better NHL interviews I think I've seen because a lot of NHL players, they just get in front of the podium. And they're just like, it's like they're reading off a director's script sometimes. <laughs> so this is nice. This is really nice. And uh, like I said, this is like my first actual real interview. So this is awesome. And I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. And, and please don't play for Toronto because they apparently can't count there. He's uh, least forever says Colton, come to Toronto, play with Matthews and Marner, and we'll bring you home 10 cups in five years. I, I don't know how that's possible, Colton, but uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it. No, it's, it's I, gotta, like, I like his ambition though. It's gotta be the exchange rate, yeah. right? There, there's gotta be something with the exchange rate between <laughs> us and Canada. Uh, now we did ask Jake this as well. Uh, when he, when he was on, uh, it's about food. And I know you said you have gotten with a nutritionist late recently, but have you ever heard of or tried toasted ravioli or Provel cheese? I have not. No, 
You'd have to. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that 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 those are like the two most iconic St. Louis food inventions. You know, toast toasted ravioli is basically how you imagine it. It's ravioli with breading and it's deep fried. So it's you know. So oh, it's, yeah. I don't I don't know why we call it toasted. It's always deep fried. But hey, it's whatever. Yeah. It's St. Louis. Uh, no. Every pretty much everyone in St. Louis agrees toasted ravioli is great. So you don't you won't have any issues loving toasted ravioli. Provel cheese is what they use on top of St. Louis style pizza, which I don't know if you ever heard of St. Louis style pizza or not from yeah. up there. Thin cracker crust pizza, and then and then the cheese is like a concoction made from Emos, who you know came up with the whole concept. It's very divisive. You either love mm-hmm. Emos or you hate them with the power of a thousand suns. <laughs> You know, uh, we can both have emos together. I've never had it either. I don't live in St. Louis, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to emos. We're gonna get that. We're gonna go to Pappy's, then we're gonna go to Centerize Brewery, and that's <laughs> that's what's gonna go on. So, <laughs> yeah, we're 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 foodies here in St. Louis, so uh, keep that nutrition's number nutritionist number handy. You you might need it when you get here. Um, <laughs> Maybe right, Wag too. <laughs> all right, Wag. Is there anything else you wanted to ask, uh, Colton? No, just very excited to have you as part of the organization. Uh, incredibly excited that you took the time out to join us because, I mean, I, I know when I was your age, uh, I wasn't any, as polished as you are. So uh, we definitely appreciate it, and we're thankful to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we're we're all very impressed with what you've done in the QMJHL, you know, nearly setting records and, and doing really well in a league that's very high octane. And, and it's, you know, you've, you've turned a lot of heads here in St. Louis, as I said, and we can't wait to see you here in the blue note, you know, in the near future, any final thing, any final words, any final thoughts you want to say to uh, blues fans? No, I think just excited to uh, excited for the future. All right. There you go. Um, thank you so much, Colton. And uh, thanks for being on blue notes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All righty. Colton Ellis joining us here on Blue Notes. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, kind of do a debrief of that uh, interview. And then we'll also talk about uh, some recent uh, blues happenings. Of course, Tarasenko is back. We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, we're all pretty tired of the Kings at this point. And, uh, um, you know, they're, they're the new Coyotes, you know, so, yes, you know, the, the new yeah. freaking Coyotes. Remember they're the freaking Coyotes now, the Don't freaking Coyotes. The exactly. Coyotes. Now they're the freaking Kings. So, uh, all <laughs> that and more coming up, uh, just around the bend, uh, right here on blue notes. What's up everybody. It's Jaren from the hockey podcast networks, newest show, the Windy City Benders podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For he's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling, the Eagle himself, Ed Belfort, Brian Bickle, David Boland, Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game, find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. All right, and uh, by the way, we 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 got to talk about the Hawks now because that was the promo. That's they, a, that, they, I was just looking at that. I was like, "What? Oh, what are you talking about?" Yeah, exactly. So, first of all, Lee Forever accuses me of being a closet Hawks fan, which is just absolute blasphemy and will not be condoned here on this uh, professional program. You've Second been thing, no, just kidding. Nah, nah. No, he'll 
No, yes. he'll keep coming back. It's Toronto. They 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 need they need to be told three times in Toronto, you know, to, <laughs> to not do things. Um, it's it's that Toronto math here, okay? Um, <laughs> second thing here is uh, the Windy City Benders podcast. They 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 just threw a dig at us there. Uh, they're they're they talked about how glad they're not in the same division as the Blues this year. And and first of all. We've got our own problems here. We've got okay? our own problem with that. We've got our own right issues. Okay. <laughs> Just like the Leafs, it's not always about you, Blackhawks. Okay. But the second thing is, I don't think you'd be nearly as high in the standings if you know the blues were you know in your division right now so just you know thank your lucky stars kevin lankinen is a decent goalie otherwise you would be up Shits creek okay mm-hmm. and we're not talking about the tv show either <laughs> which i i haven't watched and i i need to watch at some point but yeah, I I guess, I, the name's good enough it is it, it, it is it is so let's talk about happy things okay let's talk about great things okay vladimir tarasenko is back He's playing hockey again. He was in the Blue Notes Saturday night. He got a couple shots on goal. And in my opinion, I mean, is he fully back? No. It's going to take him. It's going to take a little while for him to get back up to game speed. But I was encouraged by what I saw Saturday night. Uh, he didn't look timid, you know, like, like he did um, in the uh, Canucks series. In fact, did you see the move that he nearly pulled off in overtime? Oh my goodness! Going going round the defender, and then you know if if quick stick is 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 like an inch or two shorter, Tarasenko buries that for an OT winner, and that's that that would that would have been a perfect storyline ending, Beautiful. you know, for a guy who hasn't played, you know, hasn't been fully healthy since 2019. Um, what do you guys think of Tarasenko's return Saturday night? Uh, we'll go with uh, we'll go with Mason first since you uh, waited during the interview. <laughs> Least you could do right now. Yeah. Mean, uh... <laughs> No, I loved every little bit about what what I really what really stood out to me about Tarasenko's play is he wasn't afraid to hit. In the bubble when he came back, he was afraid to hit and he was pickpocketed way too easily. This time he tested his shoulder, which I was nervous about because yeah. it's like you've been injured three times. Maybe let's not throw your body around quite yet. Uh yeah. but no, he did, and it, he looked dang good. I remember he took a shot at Drew Doughty after Drew Doughty took a shot at him and he came out fine. I, I I overthink everything, and I thought, oh, he's going a little bit slower to the bench. Oh no, oh no, no! Like I'm freaking yeah. out. But then he's back in the next year, and in overtime, he nearly pulls that move off. That would have been just like you said, a perfect way to mark his return. But alas, the Blues just have to keep doing Blues things. It doesn't matter who's on the roster. Mm. So let's talk about that a little later yeah. on here. Okay, let the yeah, happy talk. This is, our ha- time, this, yes. this is our happy time. Okay, we just came off a great interview with the, the future of Blues goaltending, Colton Ellis here. Uh, the present of Blues stardom is back in a Blues uniform, Vladimir Tarasenko. And by the way, you noted that you know he was throwing the body a little bit out there. Um, I think that's a good thing because you know not only does it show us, you know, a very small thing, but it shows us that he's back. It shows the hockey world he's back because he is not shying away from those hits. And you know what? It's hockey. You're going to have to throw hits. You're going to have to get hit. What better way to show the hockey world that you're fine by not shying away from contact, you know, in your first game back wags? Oh, no, no doubt whatsoever. He looked like he was in midseason form as far as the ability to compete. Uh, The thing that really struck me, and it's something I really haven't seen from Vladimir in the last three, four years, the smile on that guy's face the entire game. 
He was oh, happy to be out there. He was thrilled. He was just, he, he was like a kid in a candy store. He was out there playing hockey with the guys that he wants to play hockey with, his brothers, his teammates. And you could tell that they were excited for him to be back. He was excited to be back. And there was just a little bit of a different energy with that team last night. I mean, that first period was phenomenal. Yes, they fell flat in the, in the second and third periods. And it's kind of the MO for the Blues. But if they're able to take that kind of period, bottle that up, and put that out for the entire game, this team is unbeatable in a sense. And that's scary considering they're not even close to full strength. Yeah, the smile was very obvious on Tarasenko the whole night. He looked like a guy that was finally healthy and confident and ready to play for the first time in about two years. And, you know, but but another the thought kind of crossed my mind here, you know, Wags and, and Mason both. We've we've talked recently about whether or not this is Tarasenko's team or not. First of all, it's not. It's, you know, it, it's it's Ryan O'Reilly's team. He is the captain. Uh, you still have Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen as leaders. Uh, Justin Falk is emerging as a, as a leader. Uh, and then, of course, you still have Vlad himself. Um, you know, and we're also kind of talking about, you know, Vlad's, you know, place in the team over the, you know, over the past decade where he's been the face of the franchise, you know, whether, whether or not he deserves to be the face of the franchise truly or not, he kind of was by default because he was this exciting, you know, sniper type of a forward, uh, really the first real exciting forward we've had like that since probably Demetra. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's a similar ability to electrify. Like, of course, Kachuk was a meat and potatoes grinder. Uh, Brad Boyce had one good year that would look like he might have been exciting, but then he remembered he was Brad yeah. Boyce. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, now Tarasenko doesn't have to carry this team. You know, he you know, he's he's part of an ensemble now. Um, it's not all on his shoulders, it's, you know, and thank God for that, because one of his shoulders just had three surgeries on it. Um, now he gets to be a part of the team instead of, you know, maybe being like the spotlight, maybe on top of the team, as they say. Um, do you feel maybe some of his joy of hockey is is because maybe some of the load is off him a little bit to carry this team? Look at 2019. That's all you have to that's all you have to see. That yeah. was that was peak Tarasenko being a, a part of the team. He did not have to carry the load. Ryan O'Reilly took up a lot of that and, and he was able to shoulder that. Now they've got more guys that can do that. It, it's going to free him up to be creative. It's going to free him up to not have to worry about every single little detail of what's going on in the game and where he needs to be. He can be Vladimir Tarasenko. It's not Alexander Ovechkin. It's not him sniping a shot off of a one-timer on the power play. That's not his game, but he's going to be a little bit more open to being able to do that. That's why I think he took that chance in overtime last night. It it didn't work out for other reasons, but he felt like he could do that because he knew that if he didn't get that, he wasn't the one that had to bust his ass to get back there because he was the only one that probably could have stopped that from from happening on the other end of the ice. It's going to be a lot more... I just creativity with, with Vlad this year uh, because he's part of that. It's, and like I said, just look back at 2019 and how that Stanley Cup run went. He didn't have to be the guy, but he still was able to step up and produce. I, I love the the setting of that overtime attempt that he had 
Um, you know, I, I almost kind of, you know, started getting like the, the good, the bad, the ugly music going in my head and Vladimir Tarasenko's Clint Eastwood and he's going up against Angel Eyes, you know, and, you know, you know, the ugly guy from, you know, from the movie and, you know, they're all standing off, you know, cause it was, it was, it was weird. So Tarasenko gets the puck and in three on three overtime, you know, a lot of, a lot of players with the puck will just casually go back to center ice and kind of regroup and resettle. Tarasenko doesn't do that. He gets the puck. He stops inside the blue line. He's got a defender to his front. And then I think he's got a Kings, uh, Kings player off to his left. And they're giving him space. They are giving him all sorts of space. They are not lunging at him. They're not committing him. And it kind of felt like time stood still a little bit because you could just tell that Tarasenko was plotting. He was plotting something. He was going to try, you know, to, you know, like Michael Jordan against the Utah Jazz. You know, he this was this was going to be his game to win, you know. And and so he makes his move around the Kings defender, which proving, by the way, he still got he still got speed. You know, he he, he just totally went around the guy. He cuts in front of, of quick. And if if he had scored that, what? That would have been an all timer for, you know, not just not just blues wins, not just blues overtime wins, but just stories of a guy coming back, you know, a guy that who was at the top of this game coming back, getting that final goal. But unfortunately, quick stick got into the way there. But, you know, Mason, you know, that's just it's one thing that we we talked about with Tarasenko that we often forget because we think about all the goals and all the flashy plays that Tarasenko does. The guy has incredible vision out there and we saw that on display well if you remember in 2018 you know he was he was basically the guy carrying the team that was the year we missed the playoffs right before 2019 and you saw him that he was he was given that responsibility to sort of carry that team and how did that end up it didn't end up well the reason why he was so successful in the playoffs in 2019 is because he didn't have to carry the entire load exactly excuse me when there's um you know when there when he has the opportunity to like it's it's a pressure off of his shoulders when everybody's contributing because i every single player in this league plays better when it's not only him yeah you know tarasenko's the same way ran o'reilly's the same way that's why there was a bit of a struggle in the beginning of the season because it seems like he was the only guy who was showing up right um but I mean, after that, once once he found his groove and you, you can tell that he's just looking at the ice a whole different way, you know, he looks at all the superstars. Like, this is part of my argument why he's a St. Louis superstar rather than, like, a, a true NHL superstar is because he, he sees the ice like true superstars. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, he's he's he just works on perfecting one or two things, and that's his skating and his shot. And because of that, you know, he does he's not an all-around defensive guy either. He's got the body for it, but that's not his role. You know, no. the blues put him in a role of provide some leadership, provide a little bit of back check, but see the ice and help your teammates see the ice. And that's why he's so successful in St. Louis. Yeah, he, he's gotten better in his two-way game as you know, he like since he started. I mean, I remember when he started <laughs> out, he absolutely did not give a single flying crap about playing defense. <laughs> um, now I would say he's at least you know, passable, you know, defensively. I mean, as, as we said, he was throwing the body a little bit uh, Saturday night, which is, which is something you like to see. Um, but, you know, you mentioned kind of, you know, about Tarasenko and pressure of being the guy and feeling like you have to carry the team. I feel that, um, you know, there's only a couple of players I feel in the NHL that have 
like takeover ability like Alexander Ovechkin. I mean, yeah, he's got a nice supporting cast with uh, Backstrom and Kuznetsov and our former friend TJ Oshie. But I feel Ovechkin is a guy that he's going to play well just because he's Alexander effing Ovechkin. Yeah. Uh, Sidney Crosby, I feel, is kind of the same way. You know, he's, he has a nice supporting cast in Pittsburgh, but uh, he, he's got that takeover, put the team on, on his back ability. I always, I, I, I want to say always, but like as time has gone on, I feel that Tarasenko is a better complementary player you know, where he yes. needs a bit of an ensemble that can, you know, allow him to play his game and excel to his best abilities. Putting the franchise, you know, moniker on Tarasenko, I don't think was fair to Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's some some players are born leaders, like Ryan O'Reilly, born leader. Absolutely. Tarasenko has leadership ability, but you don't pay Tarasenko seven and a half million dollars a year to be a locker room general. You pay him to be the offensive dynamo that he can be, you know? So I, I, I think it was a little unfair on him to put the whole load on him the way that, you know, the blues did just cause I mean, just cause the blues are in transition. They were, um, you know, they were still, they were in the process of becoming the team that they were now. So um, going forward, you know, I, I, I think Tarasenko has a chance to excel, you know, as, as, as a blue going forward, because all that pressure is is off his shoulders. I so, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we do need to talk about the team that he faced Saturday night. And, we have uh, to. We have to. We have to. And, and, and by the way, okay, so first of all, um, you know, Leafs fans, once again, there's a, there, there's a Toronto math coming in here. So notice how every team is becoming the new freaking Coyotes? <laughs> in other words, you're saying the Blues suck. Well, first of all, not every team is becoming the new freaking Coyotes. That's that's one team, okay? One team is not 31, okay, Toronto, uh, Mr. Toronto Math Expert. Uh, second of all, uh, this podcast is amazing, but a little bit of advice that could probably help make it better is talk about the Leafs instead of the Blues. First of all, we did during our Colton Ellis interviews. So that that is our that that is our least quote. Okay, we have said His Holiness Austin Matthews' name and his sight wacky sidekick Mitchell Marner's name. Okay, that that we have filled our quota. Uh, oh, Grover Matthews. No, yeah. Well, we didn't forget about him, and but now we are. So yes, L.A. Kings. So you know, I, I don't want to quite put the put them on the same pedestal as the Coyotes. Uh, for one, because for one, the track record in you know the in seasons prior to this doesn't quite back it up. But I will say this: Who else here completely underestimated the LA Kings coming into this season? Exactly. We should not maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't have slept on the Kings so much because you know not only are they competing for a playoff spot, but they're giving the Blues fits. I mean, the Blues mm. had to go to overtime to win three two on uh, Friday night. And then the Kings battle back from three nothing, which, in my opinion, I think the Blues handed them that game. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. so much. I mean, Kapitar kind of, you know, wags his favorite player in the universe. Um, he kind of just goes off and you know and, and and takes the team on his back. Maybe he's another Crosby Ovechkin guy, you know, Anze Kapitar. Um, but uh, um, the Blues kind of sleepwalk through the second and third period, and they allow the Kings to win four to three, but. Um, I believe this is now six games we have played with LA. I think we've only got two more, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm, I hope so. I'm, 
I'm yeah, exactly. I hope so. I'm I'm going to be looking forward to not seeing the Kings for a while. What what about you, Wags? Uh, yeah, I can say that. Although, like you said, Anze Kopitar is one of my favorite players outside of the Blues organization, so I don't I don't yeah. mind seeing him play. Uh, yeah, it, they're they're a little bit ahead of schedule. I think they're benefiting from the fact that their older players, like you know Dowdy and, and and Carter and those guys, and Quick especially, they're healthy. And they're playing at the level that they were playing at during their Stanley Cup run. Maybe not at that exact level, but they're still, they've got the talent to be able to make up for some of their deficiencies. And I think that's the one thing going for LA right now is they've been able to infuse that youth and that speed along with these veteran players that are playing at a, a better condition level than, say, you know, the former Blackhawks champions, you know, mm-hmm. rest in peace, Brent Seabrook. Uh, <laughs> Fairly well. Like it, he totally died. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been playing like the living dead the past yeah. couple seasons. So, oh goodness. So having those two things kind of coupled together in, in a shortened season, it actually set up sets up pretty nicely for a team like the Kings to maybe make a run in the playoffs and and maybe give one last gasp at a championship for some of these guys that were the staples of their championship runs a few years ago. It is definitely a little scary to see LA gaining some confidence in battling against the blues, especially, but if they can start winning some games against Vegas and Colorado as well, that they could sneak into that fourth seed and make some noise for sure. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the blues play the bulk of their schedule against Vegas and Colorado and Minnesota ahead you know, we can't look at, you know, those teams in the rearview mirror like we can look at Arizona. We have one more game against them and then we have two more against the Kings. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're, we're we're starting to dwindle on Anaheim and, you know, the uh, in San Jose as well. Um, but we have some tough games looking looking ahead to us, Mason. So maybe maybe riding off the Kings and, and saying good riddance, maybe be careful what you wish for. I say write off the Kings, but don't write off the games. You know, you notice how the last two, well, we played them two times now, and both times it's the same issue every single time. You know, they fought, they come out in the first period, they're ready to win, they're angry about the last co- how the last couple games have went, and they're like, all right, no way we're losing this game, let's go. They, they're ahead after the first period, and then they're like, okay, we got our lead, now let's, let's, let's pack it up for the day, we're done. So I think that's I that's the underlying issue here. I mean, you, like yeah, right off the Kings, you're glad to get rid of them until you know I believe April is when we play them next. Um, you know, just regroup. You're playing Vegas. You're playing Minnesota. You're playing Colorado. These are three teams who aren't real surprises other than Minnesota. So you get a little, you get a lot of good competition there and you have to give it your best effort against those three teams just fix your mistakes because against those teams unless you want to lose eight nothing again you do not do the same thing that you're doing against the kings you do not fall asleep in the second and third periods well we wrap up our uh, our series with the kings and the sharks actually next week the week of the 15th we've got two against la then two against san jose on the 19th to 20th and that wraps up the season series with both the kings and the sharks and like you said after that, the bulk is Vegas, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Colorado. You've got four games left against Anaheim, two in March and two in May. But outside of that, you're playing the cream of the crop when it comes mm-hmm. to the Western Division. And it's, yeah, you've got to fix what you can now. You still have to continue to get the points, too. I mean, that's the one thing that can't be lost in this is the fact that the Blues have collected points in every game of this road trip. So, yes, it's it's 
you know, not great to lose in the way that they've kind of won the last couple of games haven't been all that great either, but they are still getting points and that's important. And after tomorrow night's game against San Jose, yeah, you got two against Vegas over the weekend, but then the following week you have to continue to get points in all those games to yeah. build up your, your basically your threshold so that you can kind of give a little bit when you have to go through the bulk of this tough schedule in April, but man, they, they do have a couple things they need to clean up for sure. Yeah, the Golden Knights series coming up uh, Friday and Saturday. I think that's going to be a good test to see just truly where this Blues team is right now because, you know, you're finally getting out of California and, and those teams, and you're facing on facing the team that's, you know, I believe that right now they're, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes, they are tops yeah. in, in, in the in the West Division there. So, so you do go back and play L.A. Monday and Wednesday, but good news, those are the last two games we play against the Kings for the rest of the season. But as Woo! I'm scrolling... As I'm scrolling up and down this schedule here, though, you're seeing a lot of Golden Knights, a lot of Wild, a lot of uh, Avalanche. I mean, this is going to be a tough, tough haul uh, the rest of this way here. So, um, by the way, suck (laughs) it it is. But but you know you know what else sucks? Toronto math Um, leaves forever. One equals thirty-one. What uh, professor? Um, occasionally uh, talking here. Watch how. Find the square roots of both of those numbers multiple times, and you will get one for both. 31 square rooted about 10 times equals 1, and 1 square rooted about 10 times equals 31. This has been Professor at least occasionally here. Oh, let me just prove him wrong really quickly because I was a math major. So, okay, square roots don't affect numbers evenly. We all know that for a fact. It's simple. It's science. Science. That's how it works. Science and math. What? Science (laughs) and math. But 31 square rooted a million, billions of billions of billions of times will never equal one. It will get very close to one, but it will never equal one. Why? Because numbers are infinite. There's no way impossible for that to happen. So even if that, even if square roots affected numbers equally it still would not equal the same thing so no you are wrong so just just as close as the least get to being the bruins in the playoffs just Ooh. very almost close almost there but oh yep. no game seven almost got it as of canary people there. don't forget you gotta be quicker than that you gotta be quicker than you just the <laughs> i haven't heard that commercial since like oh man oh man <laughs> resurrecting well, that from the Resurrecting that from the dead, just like just, just resurrecting that from the dead, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs playoff chance, you know, Stanley Cup uh, chances in recent years. And ah. Brett Seabrook. And Brett Seabrook. Well, say, you know what? There you go. You know, forget, you know, hands off, you know, Colton Ellis leaves occasionally. Uh, go get yourself some Brent Seabrook, okay? And, yeah. uh, you know, he'll solve all your problems on defense. Fit I mean, right in. If this were 2011. Fat contract. If this were twenty, that. oh, he's oh, he's already got the fat contract. I mean, you just you, you just need to trade them a bag of sand, and he's yours. I mean, Doritos. That's all. There you go. The 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 three D Doritos. So not the not the like the nacho cheese. Kind. Okay, is anybody else just not interested in trying that? Like at all? I, I wasn't interested in those when they came out. You know, a decade ago. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. See, Mason, we we we've experienced that already. Yeah. Well, I know that. We, okay, yeah. I realize this is, this that. Is a, but this I is a rerun. No... I know, but I have like zero interest in that. Like, look, next we're bringing back Zoo Pals. Do you want to like put your 3D Doritos on your Zoo Pals plates? You know, whole wave of nostalgia there. Yeah, Wax is laughing because oh, he knows man. what I'm talking I know about. What I'm, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I got what? nieces and nephews that had Zoo plates. 
<laughs> zoo plates. I, I need to research this here. Boink, zoo boink, zoo pals. Ribbit, oh. ribbit, zoo pals. Quack, oh, yeah. quack, yeah. zoo this... pals. Zoo plows make eating fun. <sighs> yeah, okay. You've yeah. never I'm, seen I'm... that. Well, now I have. And, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, I remember these. I remember yeah, these now. I actually, okay. I actually think we might have some at the house here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're... Um... Yeah, they're definitely geared toward kids and nostalgia coming back. And, and you know, if they, if they bring if they bring back pogs, I'm all down. I've still got my pogs from from the 90s. So, you, you know, I, I had mine for the longest time up until about a couple of years ago. And then in a move, I decided, you know what? I'm tired of moving these with me. I'm tossing them. I saved no. the slammer. I, I have one slammer yeah. from my <laughs> time. And it was like the torpedo, you know, the, the, the brass torpedo style, because that that's. That's how you that's how you showed the other kids you were a boss, you know, in, in, in 1996 when you showed up to a Pogs game with a freaking torpedo slammer. So you Even did that with I, I, iPods when I was growing up. When you had an iPod, I remember in elementary school, they made such a big deal out of iPod giveaways. Yeah. So that was our that was our version of that. So Oh yeah, yeah. I I I I never had an iPod until the craze went went over, mm-hmm. you know, and I, but I always wanted one so bad. I beyond and and then I actually own an Apple product. It's like you know what? Never again. Screw that Android. <laughs> You're missing out, man. That's Apple's okay. got some great stuff, dude. Nothing, yeah, but you know, I I, I like my kidneys where no, they, they are. Don't. Not, no, they don't. You know, not 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 selling them to you know afford a you know eye device. That's they're not worth it. They're not worth it. iPhone users hate their iPhones. Just no, they they closetly hate their iPhones. Okay, I'm speaking as an iPhone user myself. Sounds like they're great for like a midlife crisis, you know, like, you know, you get the latest and greatest iPhone to go along with your midlife crisis. But, I mean, it, it's a mood. It is an is a gotcha. total mood. <laughs> Speaking of crisis, um, Colton Pareko. So we mm. we we had, you know, suspected something was up with with one Colton Pareko uh, mm-hmm. um, all season long. He didn't look like himself and uh, he looked he just looked like a guy that was completely banged up. And well, he he's banged up. He is on the IR now. Um, so what's this was supposed to be Pareko's year? You know, mm-hmm. the the Petrangelo goes to Vegas, gets his millions, and Pareko was supposed to be the guy that stepped up in his his uh, his absence. And um, now it's now it's 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 kind of, now it's Justin Falk's um, you know top pairing, top number one D status right now. Um, what what do you guys think the future of Colton Pareko is here in St. Louis? I mean, do you? I mean, because I remember when when he came up with with Joel Edmondson, and I remember they both were like, "Oh God, these guys were gonna this is the defensive pair that is gonna lead the Blues into the future and beyond." Well, Edmondson, you know, turned out to be what he was. Of course, now he's leading the league in plus minus with Montreal. So you know, go figure. Um, mm. Pareko was gonna be the guy. Now he's hurt. Now he's been fast up by Falk. So. What do you guys see happening with Pareko in the coming years? Uh, Wags, we'll go to you. Oh, the first thing is that a back injury is scary. You, yeah. You don't really know how somebody's going to react to that and how they're going to be able to play after that, depending on rehab, if there's surgery involved. I mean, we, we heard at the beginning that surgery wasn't likely, but we also heard it wasn't a serious injury. Well, now it's a serious injury and he's on the IR. So really not sure what's going on there. Uh, but I, I think it's another one of those instances like we were just talking about with Vlad is, you know, Colton Pareko was the guy. He was supposed to be the guy. But I think he plays better when he's not got the weight of the world on his shoulders. You, you look at what he was – when Petrangelo was here, he took chances. He 
fast speed, got into the offensive zone. He, he was all around a good player. And it's, it's just another one of those instances where stuff gets put on your shoulders and you try to do too much and things start to go downhill a little bit quicker than you expected to and, and add injury into that. And it doesn't make life any easier. And I think having Justin Falk step up and kind of lead the defensive core, it's going to make Pareko's return a little bit easier for him. And I think it'll actually, once again, open up him to being a little bit more himself. He doesn't have to conform to what the number one spot is looked upon as. I think he can kind of slot into that two slot, uh, whether it's second pair or on Justin Falk's side, and just kind of be himself. And and that's something that could be very, very good for Pareko and the Blues. I remember Pareko in a game, it was 2018. It was at Enterprise Center, and it was against the Detroit Red Wings. And he had the puck near the blue line, and Henrik Zetterberg was defending him. Of course, the legendary Zetterberg, who by then was pretty much a shell of what he was. And I remember Pareko pulling a similar move to what Tarasenko did Saturday night on Zetterberg, where he just absolutely left Zetterberg's jockstrap on the ice. And he ended up scoring the goal, by the way. He ended up... uh, beating, I think it was uh, Jimmy Howard in that that night. And then then you're right, Wags. As, as time has gone on, he's he stopped kind of, you know, taking chances. He, he's got a really good slap shot. He's got a boomer. He is, you know, he he's he reminded me when he was cranking out slap shots on a regular basis like Al McInnes. You know, just that big, heavy slap shot that you know, other teams feared. And he's kind of pulled back from that a little bit. And it, and it just and, and it does kind of seem to me as as time has gone on, as maybe his responsibilities have increased, he's kind of, you know, wilted. I mean, I want to say wilted, but just, you know, maybe stunted a little bit, you know, in, in his in his in his progression. So you're right. Maybe it is better that Falk is, you know, has taken his place as that number Definitely. one right handed defenseman. And Pareko can stay in maybe maybe just as a really, really solid middle pairing guy. Uh, you seem to agree, Mason. Well, I was curious when he wasn't taking those boomer slap shots, you know, earlier in the season. Like, okay, he knows how good it is. And I know that he's been working on it in the offseason. So I was just really surprised that he wasn't trying it out. And I realized, you know, a slap shot is taxing on the back. You have to flex your back in a way as you take that shot, especially depending on um, surely his stick. Does anybody know what the flex on his stick is? It's a ridiculously high amount. Yeah, it's very high. It's very high. I know so, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you it takes a lot of force, you know, to contort and twist your body, especially with the stick that long, too, you know, to really get all the power into it. So I can totally understand. I mean, I have a back injury myself. I know exactly how taxing it can be for, for him. And you, like Rags is right, it's super scary because it's taken. I can't play hockey again. I can't. So, I mean. Oh, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it is very scary. Uh, he's, it says, I, I don't know exactly uh, what's up with his back. If it's just like a slip palette or something like that, I think is what I heard, uh, which is, which is pretty treatable. And I'm sure that he'll be just fine after that. But yeah, it's, it's scary stuff. And I, I knew, we all knew he was wrong. I yelled about it in every single video. I thought he was just bad. But then I said, no, I realized very quickly, like, no, he's not bad. Something's going on. And I'm not sure what it is. So yeah. at least at least we have like an answer to that now. Well, and and I I deal with back issues myself from a I had a drunk driver hit me in a uh, crash 15 years ago and oh, I'm fine 
I'm fine now. My, my, my spine was actually like crooked. It was like in, 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 in the thing, it was like, it was about like this mm-hmm. and, you know, just like off to an angle. I and mean, thankfully I went to a chiropractor, got it fixed. I'm back aligned, but every now and then my back just tightens up. And I think that's, that's something I was kind of warned about just from that crash. You know, there, it, it, it's going to do that now and then, mm-hmm. but it's always a gradual thing. You know I mean? Like, like back injuries, you know, I, I can often like take a little while to fully build up. So, you know, you're, you're talking about Pareko and, you know, the mechanics of, you know, you know, slapping a puck. I mean, you know, maybe one reason he got gun shy was because maybe he was dealing with the back issue you know, this mm-hmm. whole time. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, unless you unless you like sneeze and you throw out your back, you know, that's a sudden back injury. Um, a lot of back injuries take a while to kind of, you know, fully Gradual. manifest itself. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was taking it easy, you know, just for the sake of his back. So now, now he's getting it treated, you know, he's still in his mid twenties, you know, you know, hopefully he comes back and, uh, and maybe, and maybe, you know, as he said, his back injury is fully treated, gets healthy again. And we have a Tarasenko 2.0 story here, you know, with, with Pareko. Yeah. Yeah. Let, 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 let's hope that. Cause he's, he's definitely gonna be a big part of this team going forward. I mean, he's, 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 he's big, he's physical, he can do a lot for you and, uh, but you want him healthy. So, you know. Yeah, take the time that he needs, definitely for sure on that. Um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about this episode, of course, you know, we had Colton Ellis on earlier this episode. And if you're watching live, uh, you'll be able to watch that uh, on the replay on YouTube and Facebook, as well as wherever you get your audio podcasts from. We'll have that interview there. But um, I was thinking about Colton Ellis going into this interview because, one, I had to figure out what to ask him. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about the Blues future in in net and we had recently kind of talked about um I, I brought up you know if you had your choice of either Jaden schwartz or jordan bennington you can only keep one this offseason who do you keep i said bennington at the time mm-hmm. but there's reasons that i'm changing my mind on that i think i i would say schwartz at this mm-hmm. point and it's 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 for partly because uh the blues have a tremendous future in goal with yes. uh, Joel Hofer and Colton Ellis. Um, I think they both have every opportunity in the world to be successful NHL goaltenders. Wouldn't it be great if they became the new Brian Elliott, Yaroslav Halak? I mean, that's a, t- I mean, I mean, the potential for that tandem is just unreal. Alan Hutton was good too. Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so there's that option, but then the other, other side of it is, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about Jordan Bennington, but he's he's been okay this year. And mm-hmm. I, I feel that's about as far as I'm willing to go with him. And like he hasn't been bad. He hasn't like he's not the reason, you know, the blues aren't, you know, aren't at the top of the standings. For one, they're second in the West, so they're still doing fine. Um, it's it's injuries. It, you know, it, injuries are dogging this team. I'm sure Bennington would love to have a healthy Pareko in front of him, you know, versus sure. you know, some of you know, some of the fill-ins that have been, you know, playing for him. But, you know, I almost I, I wouldn't mind if they let Bennington walk this offseason, um, if he asked for too much or if, uh, you know, the Leafs come in with like a crazy offer, um, because I think the future is bright in, in, in the Blues net. I mean, I mean, obviously, Hofer and Ellis won't be ready next year. They'll have to find, you know, a, a bridge guy, maybe a, a veteran to fill in for the next couple of years. But the, just 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 what I've seen out of Bennington. I, it, it, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm comfortable giving him even like Markstrom money at I'm this point. What, 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 what do you think? What do you think, Mason? 
I'm with you there. I mean, I've said since the beginning, like I do my, one of my biggest fears is, you know, Craig or excuse me, Doug Armstrong, giving him a six by six. I, people are saying, Oh, he's at the beginning of the season, especially he's like, Oh, he's playing, he's playing $6 million money. And it's like, maybe he is right there, but it's also a matter of consistency throughout the season, you know, and last few games, admittedly, haven't really seen that. I mean, I've I've said before that, you know, Bennington's a great goalie. When he is on, he is on. You know, there's nothing getting by him when he is on. But like I said, it's a consistency issue. And would I rather have a Freddie Anderson for less money? Yes, yeah. I would, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, yeah. I know we you we talked about this in a previous episode. You know, I have a feeling Toronto's going to throw some big money at Bennington. And I think he's going to take it. Yeah. So it's and that means that we I mean everybody knows that Freddie Anderson's not resigning with Toronto because he, he can't take Toronto. I don't know if you guys have realized that he cannot stand <laughs> Toronto media. So he's he's going he's going on the free agent market, and I think that's a big opportunity for Doug to, to bring him in. I think I think Freddie Anderson, how he plays, I think he'll fit really well in St. Louis. So I wouldn't mind taking that for less money. He is on the you know tail end of his career, he's still good. But I mean, I'm sure that he'll be willing to take a three or four year deal or something, or even less, hopefully. And uh, then, and that time, Hofer and Ellis can come in and take over and be the tandem of the future. We've all said that before. Hofer Ellis are our future, and I have a feeling that's going to be that's going to be one of the best tandems in the NHL when they finally are fully developed and coming into the league. Uh, but it's funny you bring up Leafs goaltending, uh, Mason. Professor, occasionally checking in here. Uh, Hutton was good too. I for a second thought you meant Carter Hutton. LMAO. Yes, well, Carter Hutton was good. Believe it or let, not. Let's uh, let let let's go to the old stat book here. Uh, I mean, I know it's not compri- it's not composed by Toronto Math here, so he may uh, challenge the uh, authenticity of it. But according to Hockey reference. Let's go ahead and point out uh, the highlighted year here, 2017-2018. He had a 931 goals against average and a 209 save percentage in 32 games played. The year before that, a 239 and a 913. It's okay. You got that backwards. Oh, two, a 930 goals against. That's terrible. Wow, that's, that's terrible. awful. That's that's Uso numbers right Back there. To the YMCA, you go. No, 209 <laughs> goals against and a 931 save percentage. Okay. Yes, uh, he was good. Damn good. He was. He I was mean, damn we, good. We were calling him Starter Hutton here in St. Louis for a reason. Oh, that I was re- that. Yeah, I'm that was nostalgia. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know that that was, and also kind of was really kind of a catalyst for the anti-Jake Allen movement that would ensue here in St. Louis for years to come, but we won't talk about that. We've lived through that era. Um, but still here. Carter Hutton was good, and then you look at his goals against, it goes up by almost a full point the year, a year after that. His uh, save percentage goes down by, you know, 0.25. Gee, I wonder what happened. Oh, yeah, he signed with Buffalo. Buffalo, no the one, place where people go to die, where they where go for co- their careers to die. Ask Taylor Hall. Buffalo is a place where careers go to die. Okay. That has not worked out for Taylor Hall at all. It didn't work out for Ryan O'Reilly, Mr. You know, fill up my trophy cabinet my first year in St. Louis. Uh, Yeah, clearly he was a problem in Buffalo. Uh, Jack, I I still laugh about that. Yeah. Jack Eichel, you know, one of the best players in hockey, far none. Um, probably the top five talent in all of hockey 
he he his stats are horrible this year. I know that because I had him in my fantasy league and I just <laughs> traded him for Tyler Toffoli. That is how you bad he has been Tafoli? this year. Oh shit. Yeah, that is how bad Eichel has been this year. Also, Toffoli is having a really good year. He's got like 15 goals. He's amazing. Um, but the fact what? is, I I wouldn't have even thought of trading him for Toffoli had he been playing up to his potential, but he isn't. You know why? Because he plays in Buffalo. Same thing with Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid sucks because he plays for Edmonton. Actually, I Connor feel McDavid. so bad for that. Actually, McDavid's McDavid's still good. Yeah. Okay, McDavid yeah. is I feel bad. No, McDavid's he, good. But imagine how much better he would be on like a oh, Lightning yeah. or an Avalanche or or a Vegas. The, oh, Edmonton's God. a shithole. Yeah. McDavid with with the Avalanche. Jesus Christ, you scared that me. That is there. a yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing about McDavid, though, and this is why I, I think people tend to overlook this, uh, and I think that's why a guy like Nathan McKinnon is a better player than Connor McDavid. McDavid doesn't do anything to help his teammates get better. I mean, Not he really. has, I mean, Pat Maroon no, had a great team playing on McDavid's wing. He was the beneficiary of a lot of uh, goals off of McDavid's shots. But when, when you really look at it, do you hear – teammates in Edmonton talking about how, how Connor McDavid has helped their game grow or, no. or have, you know, excited to be on a line with Connor McDavid. And oh, I mean, they probably I, are, but you know, they probably are. Yeah. I mean, plus minus is probably through the roof, but I mean, you look at Nathan McKinnon and, and guys, they want to play on the line with him. They talk glowingly about him and maybe it's just the, the, the years and years of just bitter losses that Edmonton has, has been suffering. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's just something a little bit missing from Connor McDavid's play that a guy like Nathan McKinnon has. And, and I think we overlooked that because of the highlight real goals that he puts out there. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I wonder if it's personality, just like a personality thing with yeah. McDavid. I mean, he's always come a, kind of come across as a bit, you know, kind of straight laced, you know, very. I mean, he's not like a happy go lucky, you know, like a gregarious type. You know, he just seems like a very serious kind of kind of a player. Um, well, I mean, to be fair. If I was in his shoes and playing for the Edmonton Oilers, and I'm a, I know I'm a generational talent, I'd be a little frustrated too because it doesn't look like the manager does. Management well, doesn't give a shit. Not well, half yeah. the players don't give a shit. So I, I can sort of see where that comes from. Well, that's fair. That's fair. And, and of course, you know, Yakupov, you know, was the first overall pick for the Oilers, and he didn't give a shit while he lived while he played in Edmonton, and they they played a year in St. Louis and didn't give a shit. So now he's not he doesn't giving give a, a shit regardless. So now, he, that, now he's been traded three times in the KHL since he went back there, and he probably doesn't give a shit about either one. So you know, mm. there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, but I, you know, with 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 McDavid, I mean, I I think back to of course another legendary Oilers center in Wayne Gretzky. You know, Wayne Gretzky, of course, he had a better supporting cast, you know, for one. I mean, you know, he had, you know, Grant Fuhr, one of the best goalies of all time behind him in his prime, uh, in his youth even, then then his prime. You know, Messier, Curry, um, just just so much talent stacked up and down the lineup. But a lot of people that, that played with Gretzky, um, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, there, there's been so many, a lot of stories about people saying, oh, God, I love playing for Gretzky uh, on, on Gretzky's line it was a little intimidating because he was Wayne Gretzky. You know, he was the great one, but I never heard anything bad about, uh, about players that played alongside Wayne Gretzky either. I mean, he, you know, obviously he was a playmaker extraordinaire. So, you know, he probably, you know, I mean, Yari Curry probably lives in a mansion now, thanks to, you know, playing alongside, um, you know, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, So I, it's 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 interesting. It, it, it's a it's a study that I feel would be better for players that you know and people that have watched McDavid more. 
I don't get to watch a lot of Oilers hockey because I live in St. Louis and their games, you know, usually start later than I do. But that's that's an interesting study. And, and, and I think it's a conversation that, you know, if if the hockey world isn't having now, they should be. Does McDavid truly make your team better? That's a good question, because I think he's a great individual player. I think he, he could is. win all the skills competitions. But does he make the team better? That's a real, real important piece of being one of the greatest players out there. I mean, when I mean, Gretzky he, made his, his teammates better, does McDavid make his better? I mean, he did give Pat Maroon a career. Oh. I will say that because Maroon was, was kind of floundering when before he, he got 27 goals playing next to him. And, then, of course, he ended up giving Dreisaitl a freaking heart trophy, you know, playing alongside next to oh him. Although God, I think he hit on a silver platter. Here you go, uh, my German friend. Although, Take although, your trophy. Although, although, I, honestly, I, I I disagree with people that that say Drysaddle only won the award because he played next to McDavid. I think Drysaddle is a good player. Yeah, I think he's he a very, I think he's a very, very good player. Could he have won the heart without McDavid? Mm, no, but I still think he'd be a top player. That's that. I mean, he he's not a product of McDavid, in, right. in my opinion. In my opinion, Panarin should have won the heart though. <laughs> I, I'll go with that. I, I like Panarin. I like Panarin, and, and and hopefully he's doing okay because uh, um, with all the stuff that's going on with Russia and his family, I um, oh, yes. that went kind of anything. I haven't heard anything yeah. in that. In yeah, that yeah, that that blew up, and then it just went silent. Just right. like but it uh, is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Yeah, although I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, you know, that everything went quiet about that because remember uh, Nikita Zaitsev and, uh, and the defender for Ottawa, uh, he was caught on video like chasing down his baby mama or something, trying to take his you know child away from her, and it was like a really like nasty like Mori Povich level scandal there, and it was all in the news. It was like it, it, I mean, it bliss. It was everywhere for one day. Yeah. And then it, you go gone. go go do go do a Google search and figure out what was what was resolved from that. Nothing. That is the Russian media right there. That is yes. my opinion. That is when what happens in Russia stays in Russia. Of course. They are the original Las Vegas. So um, there we go. I, I think that's a good note to end this episode on. Of course, we want to thank Colton Ellis for being on earlier this episode. Uh talking about his career and his future as a uh, St. Louis Blues player. I'm excited, you know, for him going forward. Very, very mature, very well-spoken uh, uh, player. And uh, um, I, I can't wait to see him in the blue note. Uh, definitely not. Uh, yeah. any, fi- any final thoughts, Mason? Uh, not really. Just uh, be nice to each other. Don't don't uh, riot and loot St. Louis when they when they lose a game don't do that i'm not i don't condone that you can yell and scream in front of a camera all you want like i do that's my coping because if i didn't scream in front of a camera i'd be looting straps but uh you know yeah yeah be nice to each other that's all i want to say and if given a choice between toronto math and common core uh do common core common core Uh, (laughs) yes um wags any final thoughts Oh, just echoing what Mason said, don't uh, get down on the team if they lose the game. Yes, they should beat San Jose, but the weekend series against Vegas is huge. We're welcoming back Alex Petrangelo for his return to St. Louis. Yes, not as many fans, but there will be fans in the stands. So it'll be really going to be real interesting to see what kind of reaction he gets when he steps out onto the ice. Uh, yeah. If he's playing, because I know he's day to day right now. So he is day to day right now. Got to watch out yeah. for that, too. What's going yeah. on there? Uh, I'm uh, not sure. Actually, I, yeah. it's one of the. It's, it's, I think it's. I think it's. An, I think they said it was an upper body, with yeah, him. Uh, uh, an upper body. So yeah, it could be know. anything. It could be just they. They listed them just to list them because they had to. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll know more in a couple of days. Or yeah. he could be. Or he could be witness protection because he does want to face Jordan Kyrie again. 
That's, uh, that's true. That makes sense. He's gonna get coronavirus again. Yeah, that's uh, you're good for ninety days. You're good for ninety days. <laughs> <laughs> he can't use that excuse. Ha ha ha. Love it. Um, by the way, in case you're wondering, uh, no Luke Whitman today, no Guy the Wyatt Blues fan today. They both will be back on Thursday's episode. Uh, Luke has some prior engagements, and of course, we also wanted to uh, give Colton Nellis his uh, uh, proper uh, proper due. So uh, they uh, both, uh, Luke and Guy, will be back on Thursday's episode. Follow us on Facebook at the uh, Justin Falk Stand Club, and follow us on YouTube. Just search for us on YouTube. Uh, we'll have a link in the description below, obviously. And uh, follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Center Ice uh, Brewery uh, giveaway. Uh, we will come back with a new giveaway for that. Um, we uh, tried to do a DraftKings league. And uh, it turns out that I have only used DraftKings for like a, two weeks. And that I must have set up something wrong because the link that I provided for that, no one was able to join because the link was wrong. And I would show you the DMs, you know, people saying, you know, it's not working. It's not working. Well, I just decided at that point, you know what? Let's just scrap it. We'll come back with a better contest and a better giveaway. Free beer will happen. Okay, free beer will happen. It just needs to be done fair and better. So my apologies for that if you tried to join. Um, But in the meantime, that is going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me. There is no Wags. There is no Mason. Blues fan reacts. And there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to that damn whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from